Hey everybody, welcome back for the second episode of my new podcast, Non-Christian Like Jesus. I want to do a little business with you today before I start on the main content. First, you probably noticed the music. As I'm going to be talking about later, I knew I just needed to get this podcast going, get it out into the world. So I launched it before I had music for it or a logo or really anything other than some ideas I wanted to share. The thing is, I didn't want to have to pay for music. I just wanted something free that I could kind of run with. And then I remembered the album that I had written, played, and recorded back in the early 90s. So I pulled some stuff from one of the songs there, and boom, we are all set. Kind of a my podcast, my music kind of thing. So if it sounds dusty and dated to you, I totally get it. But I'm 55 years old, so I suppose I'm a bit dusty and dated too. So anyway, all the music you'll be hearing on our podcast coming up will be compliments of yours truly. There's also a logo now, and the idea for the logo is that I wanted to make sure that absolutely anyone of any background who wants to learn to love better and take love as seriously as it deserves feels like they could find a way into the podcast. So that's why the word religion appears crossed out. I'm not entirely anti-religion, but I do think religion is the number one disguise for selfishness and evil in the world. Both religious and irreligious people are more than welcome on this podcast. (coughs) Two more quick things. I was pretty emotional and got a bit weepy in the last episode, and I'm not apologizing for this. I just want you to know, if you're not familiar with me as a person and as a teacher, that's just my way. You know, as I was talking about Jesus' message being that you are loved completely and without condition, honestly, at that moment, I was thinking about my three daughters and how that's exactly how I love them. And I was just kind of vibing emotionally with the power of that kind of love. So that'll happen. I'll get emotional sometimes. And if that bothers you, I don't know what to tell you. Honestly, sometimes it bothers me too. But my thoughts and ideas just seem to be hardwired into my guts somehow, you know? And they pull at me in that way more often than I wish they did. Finally, and I won't always correct my errors on every episode, but I used the word unimmutably on the last one. And the reason that's a problem is because unimmutably is not a word. But so what? You know, first error of many, I'm sure. Hey, thanks for hanging with me. Uh, you know, our intros will almost never be this long. It's not going to happen very often. So let's just go ahead and get to the program. I was thinking I really identify with the Dalai Lama when he said, my religion is kindness. That's how I've always thought of the Christian faith. I mean, that's always been clear to me. And, you know, as we get further into the podcast, I'll be sharing lots of ways in which my my God, I've fallen so short of that, you know, so many times. But in my mind, that's always been what it's about. And I think every religion veers off course when it gets away from that core principle of kindness. I'm finding more and more that Buddhism helps me understand Jesus better. I mean, for example, Jesus told us, love your enemies, but gave us almost no information on how to actually do that. I mean, isn't that weird? That one of the most central of all Jesus' teachings comes with no how attached. You could certainly ascertain a how, I guess, by looking at the way he lived and and some of the other things he said. Like like when he said, love your enemies, he said, pray for them. Pray for people who persecute you, right? So certainly praying for them is, you know, instrumental. Uh, But how? 
There's no practical guide as to what that looks like. It's not like it's something where you just go, oh, okay, I uh, love my enemies. All right, check. I'll just, you know, go out and do that from now on. It'd be kind of like if Jesus had said, you know, run a marathon. And you're like, okay, I'll just go outside and, you know, do that right now. Good luck with that, right? Not going to happen. No matter how much you believe it, no matter how much you think it's a great idea, how much it needs to be done, how much you want to accomplish it, you're going to get not very far down the road. You're going to collapse. And all of your intentions, all of your best efforts, all of your passion, all of your conviction is going to come to nothing because you're not equipped. You don't know how to do it. You're not the kind of person who has what it takes to get it done because there's a process. And that's my question. When Jesus says, love your enemies, what's the process? What is the way by which we can really come to do it? I mean, in a sense, it's an impossible command. Jesus is telling you to do something you're not capable of doing. I mean, there's no better way of knowing how incapable you are than to look at your own experience, right? And, and see how many times you have failed to love even people who are much easier to love than your enemies are. We're going to talk more about that in a second. But, but first, if you believe as I do that love is the most powerful and potent thing in the universe and that it deserves whatever efforts are required to learn how to do it well, then you have to respond to that order. Love your enemies with the question, how? That seems impossible. How do I do that? Better yet, I like to phrase it this way. Not even so much how do I do it, but how do I become the kind of person who can do it? It's not about how do I go outside right now and run a marathon, right? It's what disciplines, what practices, what habits do I need to adopt so that gradually, over time, I'll become the kind of person who has the stamina and the muscle strength and the lung and the heart capacity that makes it possible to actually do that, to actually run that marathon. In other words, what's the training program? So how do I love? What's the training program? What habits and practices must I adopt so that over time I'll become the kind of person who has the power, the self-control, the compassion, the insight, the ability to handle my own darkness properly, the power that will allow me to actually do this seemingly impossible thing. A core practice in Buddhism is loving kindness. And I discovered it's really the same thing as this love Jesus was referring to. The Buddhists teach that there are seven steps to learn how to love our enemies. Are you listening? This is the meat and potatoes part right here. This is where we're getting to the core. Do you want to know how to learn to grow systematically in love? Because I'm about to tell you. Step one, engender loving kindness first for yourself. And then expand at your own pace to include the following. Number two, loved ones. Three, friends. Four, neutral persons. Five, those who irritate you. Six, all the above is a group. And seven, all beings throughout time and space. So our training in doing this seemingly impossible thing begins with a first step that in and of itself will take a lifetime, learning to love yourself. As a relationship therapist, I work with people who are struggling to love each other. Over and over, I see how difficult it is not only to love someone else, but to actually accept 
the loved one is given. That's why self-love is, is so difficult. It's hard to love well, and it's hard to accept love. And when you're trying to love yourself, you're trying to do both the giving and the receiving. You're trying to love and be loved. I'm going to do another episode, I mean, totally on self-love soon, because I, I think it's hard. And there are a lot of misconceptions about self-love I want to address. But let's just be clear that it's not that you have to wait to love others until you fully love yourself, for you'll never arrive at perfect love for anyone or anything, since perfection isn't even possible. So the idea really is that you must begin by mustering whatever love for yourself you can muster. And then you extend that love out further and further according to the steps I read you. And the more you come to love yourself, the more you can see yourself as worthy of love and compassion and kindness, the more love you will have then to extend outwards to other people. This process reveals also how difficult love for enemies really is. I mean, we've talked about how hard self-love is. But it can also be so hard sometimes to truly and selflessly even love members of your own family. I mean, that's step one and step two. They're both really hard sometimes. Any decently self-aware person can name times when they've been impatient, you know, or hangry or irritable or snippy, rude, even cruel to the people on this earth they love the most. So as you go further out from yourself, love just gets harder and harder. And finally, this process shows the most obvious thing of all, which is that if you want to increase your love for other people, you have to proceed intentionally through an ever-widening circle. It's not something you just hope to do or want to do or wish to do. You don't run that marathon by just going outside and starting to run. That's crazy talk, right? There's a path, there's a course, there's a training program. And here's what that program looks like. At each of the levels I read to you, you pray the following for each person or group at that level. So let's just start with level one in this example. May I be safe and well. May I be happy and content. May I be healthy and strong. May I be peaceful and at ease. Now, you don't say this stuff because you feel it. You say it because it is your intention to live it out in your words and deeds. You may feel it sometimes, but love is not primarily a feeling. Love primarily is a way of being toward others in the world. Oh, that's another episode right there, right? That's at least one episode. And at each of these levels, you face increasing resistance as your heart will struggle more and more to stay open to people in the outer circles. And that will help you feel that feeling of your heart closing, help you get really familiar with how that feeling starts in your physical body and where and, 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 and what that feels like. Then you can practice being patient with that feeling, you know, kind of sitting with it, staying with it, and repeating that prayer and working on allowing your heart to slowly open. And you may only experience two seconds of what it feels 
like, you know, to be genuinely open. But you celebrate it, just like you celebrate if you ran a quarter mile yesterday and and then only 20 feet further tomorrow. Because remember, it's not about doing it. It's about becoming the kind of person who's capable of doing it. That's the journey, right? Many people in the world want to be a certain kind of person. They want to be a certain kind of person. But very few are willing to become the person they want to be. And I say this with love, folks, as that has probably been the greatest struggle in my own life, focusing more on being than on becoming, right? Oh, I want to be a podcaster. I want to be a writer. I want to be, you know, this or this or this, a guitar player, right? I want to, all these ideas about what I want to be, but then not putting the work in to become what I want to be. And this goes back to why I just finally said, Screw it. I'm launching that podcast. I'm putting it out there. I'm doing this unfinished thing, this thing that is so far from perfect. I'm putting it out in the world because it's time to focus on becoming. It's time to start on something, to really take steps to make something happen. So I don't know if this uh, path that we've looked at, if that's the path Jesus followed, I'd imagine he followed some version of it. But I do strongly suspect that because he was a human being, he didn't all of a sudden just produce in that instant the nails were being driven through his hands and feet, this miraculous power to pray for his murderers. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. No, I'm I'm sure he cultivated this ability, worked at it daily, hour by hour, until one day, on his final Friday, in that moment of horrific suffering and grief, that love reached all the way to those Roman centurions. And he exhaled those words to them with some of his dying breaths. Now, if that's not true, if he was born with it, if he didn't have to struggle like anyone else to cultivate that capability, then frankly, he's not the example I can learn from. And I need to study Gandhi more or Martin Luther King Jr. or or Buddha. I say anyone who has cultivated a great ability to love is worth studying and emulating. So I think this is equally valuable for anyone who aspires to take love as seriously as it deserves to be taken, given how deeply it is needed in our world.